This week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast, podcast. Triple H shoots on AEW and the Wednesday Night Wars, quote unquote. Chris Jericho claps back at Triple H. The real reason Eric Bischoff is so hard on AEW and Tony Khan. And I go on an epic rant on AEW's booking. I'm your host, Seth Grimes, and this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. What the fuck is up, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. I am your boy, Seth Grimes. Welcome to my show. I am happy to have you. Episode 51, we're past the high watermark of episode 50, ready to just keep shit going and keep grinding. And uh, today's episode going into a huge weekend of professional wrestling. In fact, I got a piece of this out early, as a matter of fact, so that, uh, because I I honestly don't expect a lot of people to be watching YouTube clips over this weekend. I expect a lot of people to be watching wrestling. We got a huge weekend, XT, Clash at the Castle, all out lots of big things happening and we got a jam-packed episode to go with it lots of crazy shit going on in the world of podcasts and shoot interviews so let's just go ahead and dive right into it with our first topic tony khan was on the busted open podcast this week trying to justify all of his insane booking as of late Tony went on Busted Open trying to justify the whole CM Punk, John Moxley thing as taking a different route to get to the same point than traditionally is done. Uh, Traditionally is done would be that you have a program that you're building up to the big match at the pay-per-view between Mox and Punk where everybody knows exactly where things are going. They just don't know the outcome necessarily. Well, Tony Khan decided that doing a big old swerve ski was the best way to go about uh, pushing this storyline into the pay-per-view between Punk and Moxley, where we are all up in the air and we have no idea what's going to happen next. We don't know if Punk is really hurt, is he not hurt? Who's going to face Moxley at the pay-per-view? Punk gets squashed. We're one week away from the pay-per-view, and we don't know the main event yet. Um, Now, of course, we do know that it is going to be Punk and Moxley in the rematch. Um, So this was the build. This was the uh, intention all along. Check out Tony Khan talking about his master plan. It seems like we're fighting amongst each other. I I just wish fans would be a little bit more patient and see how the story unfolds. It's okay. You know, I I think as long as everybody can watch the show and have a good time, if however people want to react, it's fine. I think the fans are always right. And if I left them with a lot of questions going into the pay-per-view, there for some people that may be unsettling because they're not used to that. It's a different way to do it. But it was a big success. It brought a huge rating. 
And I still think we're going to have a great audience for the pay-per-view, and hopefully it will actually influence it in a very positive way. But it's okay for people to have questions and sometimes express their questions and frustration or anger. I think it's perfectly normal. It's obviously a different way to get from point A to point C. Uh, But, uh, you know, it's not just going directly through point B in a straight line this time. And I think it's good. But there'll be a lot of uh, exciting things, including a lot of great wrestling action tonight on TBS on Dynamite. And we're going to learn a lot about the pay-per-view. And I'm really excited about it. Uh, look, I gotta, I gotta be honest with you guys. I thought this was absolute dog shit, um, just flat out. Uh, if you are a longtime listener of the show, you will know that I am an unabashed AEW supporter. They are what saved my fandom when Vince drove me away in the 2010s. Um, and, and Punk is my Lord and Savior, Jesus CM Jesus Christ Punk. You know, I've been haven't been shy about saying that either. But with all of that said, I also pride myself on keeping it one hundred. No uh, pun intended for Conan, but uh, you know, I I try to keep it down the middle and call it like I see it. And how I see this playing out is it's absolute dog shit. This is fucking stupid to, to wait up until you're four, three, four days out from your pay-per-view to have an official main event match, especially in Chicago where you're keeping people up in the air about whether Punk is even going to be on the goddamn card or not. It, it didn't help the ticket sales. I don't know if it's just because, you know, the AEW penis has been flaccid as of late, and that's why they haven't sold out all out yet, which is only a fucking 10,000-seat arena. I mean, the Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks sold out a 10,000-seat arena in, like, seconds on the indies. AEW can't even do it now. Uh, in Chicago, one of their hottest towns, with the roster that they have, it was bad booking from the beginning. You have to let your audience know that CM Punk is going to be in the main event against John Moxley. They should have did the title unification at they they should have never did this faux squash match. All right? So let me go ahead and break it down. This whole fucking thing is stupid because so last week I was actually a huge supporter of the the squash match. A lot of people were hating it. A lot of people thought it was burying Punk. Or a lot of people thought it was bad booking. Or what the fuck are they doing? It's the end of the company. Doom and gloom, right? The finger poke of doom for AEW. I've heard it all. And, uh, you know, I was a big supporter of the squash match. Because I thought it was good storytelling. Other than the fact that we were going into All Out without knowing what the fuck our main event was. I liked the idea of Punk. Is he hurt? Is he not hurt? Um, you know, what's going on? Are they setting up for an MJF to come in and, and, you know, are they built into a punk heel turn? And, and then all of a sudden this, and and not only that, but I I just, in general, like the idea of not always delivering a half hour, 45 minute main event title match. Sometimes like, you know, uh, I brought up the example of UFC last week that, uh, you know, sometimes in real fights, even with top guys, main event stars, people get knocked the fuck out right away. People get squashed. People get upset. It happens. People slip on banana peels. And that's what the story they were telling. And in a, in a bubble, that was a great story. I really liked it. 
But now they come out the week after and Tony Khan's out here saying, oh, this is just part of a master plan. We're just going about it a different way, you know, instead of going A, B to C, we're going A to D to C or whatever the fuck he was trying to say. Uh, and now Punk comes out and he's like, no, my foot doesn't hurt. Uh, my foot's 100%. It's a new 100%, but it's 100%. So why the fuck did you buckle last week after you threw your kick, fall to the ground going, ah, my foot, it hurts, and fucking cry like a bitch about it, and then have to be hauled out, you had to be carried out, you had to do the thing where your arms are over the guy's shoulders, and you're limping off, and you can barely get out of the ring, and all that shit. And, and all of that to say that your foot's not even actually hurt? That it's it's your confidence that's hurt. My confidence is hurt. I don't know if I got it anymore. You're telling two different stories. Both of them are good stories, but you're conflating them now. Now you're just mixing the two together, and it's a bunch of hogwash. It doesn't make sense. Now we're supposed to take punk seriously? Oh, I, I, now I mean it, because we're in Chicago when... Ace Steel slapped me in the face, so I got my confidence back. By the way, Ace Steel dropping F-bombs on AEW right after the network passed down a fucking note saying to tone the language down. You're just going to drop F-bombs. You're going to go from bitches and shits up to F-bombs. But that's, you know, I digress. So CM Punk, we're supposed to take him goddamn seriously now that he's, oh, now I'm motivated for real. Now you're going to have to kill me. Dude, Mox just smoked you in three minutes, and it was justifiable because your foot was injured. Now your foot's not injured, so you're just a pussy. Now you just fucking suck. So it buries Punk more, and again, I'm saying this from love. I am an AEW fan. I love AEW. I want them to succeed. I am not a hater. I need to see. I like that there's competition. I want them to stick around for the long run, and I want them to be successful. I want them to get over a million. I want Punk to be the biggest star all over again. I want them to succeed, but what they're doing right now is straight-up dog shit. I don't know what the fuck they're doing, man. I can't get into any of this stuff. It goes to the bigger picture. So not only do we got Punk who was hurt last week and can't even fucking walk out of the ring. He's limping. Oh, my foot, it buckled. He was crying. He was wincing. He was writhing in pain on the mat. Poor guy. And now all of a sudden this week, oh, no, 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 I'm 100%. I'm just, uh, I don't know if I got it in me anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't make sense. They're, they're, and I, you know, I've seen people online, you know, that are arguing like, oh, it's a storyline. Give it, give it a chance to play out. They're telling a story. No, they're not telling a story. They're fucking it up is what they're doing. They're telling two different stories and they're conflating them and they're, they're botching it. They're botching it. That on top of Eddie Kingston's going to fight fucking Tomohiro Ishii on the pay-per-view. Uh, don't get me wrong, like, that's gonna be a great match and all, but why is he not facing Sammy Guevara? Just because they got in a little tiff backstage? We all know about that now. It's public knowledge. You can help sell pay-per-views or build excitement for the pay-per-view by putting a match on TV that we all know these guys don't like each other for real. It builds an extra element to the fucking heat. So now Sammy's gonna be doing some kind of fucking thing with his woman and, and Eddie's gonna be off wrestling New Japan guys why why are they doing that 
What about the whole FTR thing? They're, they hold every championship in the world. They can't hold them forever. At some point, they're going to have to drop the belts in Mexico or drop the belts in New Japan. But right now, in what made perfect fucking sense, perfect sense if you're telling a story, you know, if you're telling long-term booking, the perfect fucking story, it writes itself. You don't even need to do any work on this. It was that the Young Bucks held the tag team titles all the way up to All Out, the most obnoxious, douchebag, hateable fucks, and then fucking, they drop, they have a winner takes all, you know, all of FTR's championships versus the Young Bucks AEW Tag Team Championships at All Out, that would have been big enough to main event. Big enough to main event with a tag team match. The rubber match. FTR won one. The Bucks won one. Now it's for all of the gold. And you have the Bucks drop the belts to FTR. So they have that moment where they have literally every tag team title that's ever existed other than the ones in WWE, right? Uh, but no, we can't do that. And not only that, but we can't even be bothered to book FTR in a tag team titles match. They're in some fucking weird six-man. Like, and, and, and they were taken off the video game. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? And I know that this was probably the Young Bucks. And they didn't they don't want to work with FTR, supposedly. And they, you know now they want to do the trios thing with Kenny Omega. Why couldn't the trios thing happen after All Out? Right? You bring Kenny Omega back before All Out, still... Give him a high-profile match, maybe against a Japanese guy. You know, put him up against put him up against Osprey. They've been building that fucking feud over their their little beefs on. You know, every chance they get, they take shots at each other. Osprey versus Omega, all out. Jesus Christ, why is this so hard? I can book a ten times better pay-per-view than they can. Oh, it's storytelling. Oh, you just don't know the bigger picture. Meh. This is dog shit. It's all dog shit booking. It's trash. It's fucking trash. They're fucking everything up. They have no clue where they're going. They have no clue what the biggest matches are. They're letting politics rule. There is no zero reason the trios titles had to be rushed to be, happen at all out. Right? They had stories that they could tell building to all out and then they could do the trios thing after. Young Bucks drop the belts to FTR. That gives them a perfect reason to get out of the tag team division. Uh, Omega, it doesn't matter what happened with him because it was just a, a, a exhibition match, essentially, you know, with with Osprey. No real, um, you know, the, the outcome doesn't matter. It's just there because, the, you know, there's a personal rivalry going on. Why couldn't they do that? Instead, we got these weird six-mans going on that are not going to, like, I don't even know who's in all these matches. And they were all announced at the last minute. It's just, what the fuck are you doing? Tony Khan is needs to build a booking team around him, and he needs help now. He needs help creatively. He built a team around him for talent relations because, you know, people aren't being communicated with properly and blah, 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 blah. Okay? Fine. Now you need a creative team around you because, you, dude, it's not cutting it right now. It's not. And I've been a huge fan of a lot of the stories that AEW has told in the past. And I do think they tell stories. Not like WWE does and not like they need to to draw people in. But they have told stories in the past. And, and they tell them differently. And, that, and you know what? I'll give Tony Khan props for attempting to tell a different story 
you know, with Punk and Moxley to build the all out. You know, they tried something different. But unfortunately, what it's doing is it's cost you uh, pay-per-view buys, uh, I'm sure. And, and, you know, a lot of pay-per-view buys happen last minute. So, you know, they might be able to salvage that. But they certainly cost them ticket sales. Nobody knew what the fuck they were buying. I mean, nobody. And I went online because I thought about going to All Out, you know, because I don't live too, too far from Chicago. I hate driving to Chicago because it's Jesus Christ. Have you ever been to Chicago? It's a hellhole. Fucking the traffic is insane. And I live in a city and I I drive in heavy traffic every day, you know. Um, But it's it's, I guess, normal heavy traffic, you know, compared to fucking uh, jesus christ chicago is insane but i digress again it's the ticket prices were insane when i looked on it was like a hundred bucks for like fucking you know uh, high-rise seats and i was like i'm not i am not no uh-uh not gonna happen or even like uh 60 bucks or whatever you know like by the time i pay gas and i pay the the handling fees for the tickets and then you parking pass and you know, I'm going to be in this fucking thing 200 bucks just to go to the show, and I'm not going to do that. So uh, they lost me there, and, I, and not knowing what the main event was even going to be was a huge thing. The booking of all of this has been shit. Props to Tony Khan for trying to do something different, I guess. Um, but maybe let's do that, like, building up to, like, a winter is coming and not, like, a fucking... You know, one of your biggest pay-per-views of your year, or the biggest pay-per-view of the year. Um, it cost them money. It cost them money, and it's it's uh, wasn't the finger poke of doom, but they're gonna have to dig themselves out of this hole a little bit. You know, this is a they booked themselves into a shit show, and everybody recognizes it. And now they're they're gonna have to pay for those. You know, they're gonna have to work their way out of that. And you know, rumors were that Punk had to be talked into doing this whole storyline, and that it was Mox's idea. Uh, again, like I liked it in a bubble. And had they told a different story, you know, I don't like what they did this week. You don't have Punk come out and be like, "Oh, now I'm fired up. Now you're gonna get the real CL Punk." And in Chicago, you're gonna have to kill me, dude. You were just beat in three minutes. Like it's not believable anymore. And your foot, you sold your foot like a mofo. Now your foot's 100%. That's not even a problem. So what are we doing here? Had you told a story where Punk's injured, he he can't compete, or his foot, he's going to try. He's going to gut it out, but he's still hurt. You know, you should have never touched the foot if the foot was going to be 100% to begin with, and it was Punk's confidence. Those are two separate stories, and you fucked it up. Now it doesn't make sense. Now I don't care, and now I have zero faith in Punk. And, and plus, you doubled down on, you know, everybody was like, oh, is Punk going to be turning heel? And he still could, um, but they kind of doubled down on Mox cut a kind of a heel promo, you know, and, and granted, they were in Chicago. Punk's always going to be the babyface there, but Mox went heel on Punk, essentially. He took the form of the heel. I don't think, you know, it wasn't a heel turn, but he somebody's got to play heel-ish in the promos and, and in the match, you, you know, when it's two baby faces going head-to-head. And Punk doubled down on being the super baby face in Chicago. So I don't know what story they're trying to tell. It's all fucked up. I love AEW. I respect Tony Khan. I want this all to make sense, but it doesn't. It's a shit show. And you can't convince me otherwise.
the game uh, triple h was on bt sport today doing a full hour length in-depth interview with ariel helwani this was a fantastic interview honestly like ariel helwani is one of if not the greatest interviewers in the entire industry right now uh, he does lots of wrestlers he's primarily sports combat sports um, but he does certainly love his pro wrestling, and he was very excited to be having Triple H live and in person. And they talked for about a full hour, I think maybe even a little bit more. And this was really, honestly, like the best Triple H interview I've heard that I that I can remember in God knows how long. Maybe he's done a better interview. I don't know. But this was... Uh, in my opinion, the definitive Triple H interview, maybe more appropriately, the definitive Paul Levesque interview. Uh, this was very much an interview with Triple H, the executive in WWE, and it was just fantastic. And honestly, like, I, I gotta, you gotta go check it out. I have linked it down in the description below. Um, I, there were so many clips I wanted to pull from this. Uh, the whole interview is noteworthy, to be honest with you. So it was really hard to choose what I wanted to take from this and kind of single out and spotlight for the show. And I actually kind of cheated a little bit. I'm going to do two. I'm going to do two. So just shut the fuck up and deal with it. Uh, the first one we'll talk about was the one that was a little bit less newsworthy. Uh, I know you've seen some stuff going around about the AEW stuff. We'll talk about that in a moment. Because in my opinion, that was uh, there wasn't a lot there. Um, but it was still interesting to hear. Um, but the first thing I wanted to spotlight, not a lot of people are talking about this one, was Triple H talking about Brock Lesnar. And uh, more specifically when uh brock walked out of smackdown the day that uh, vince mcmahon stepped down and brock walked in found out vince was no longer there and he's like fuck it if he's not here i'm not here peace out deuces i'm getting out of here i'm going to go on my ranch and slaughter cattle and butcher them and fuck sable and drink a coors light right Check out this clip of uh, Triple H being asked by Ariel Hawani if those rumors were true and how exactly it went down and how it was handled. Check out this clip. Brock Lesnar was upset and left and mm -hmm. that you had to kind of convince him to come back. Is that true? Was that a thing there's, that really there's, happened? There's some truth to it, yeah. Really? You don't look at... You have to understand Brock's relationship with Vince. And I think if you look at Brock's relationship across combat sports period, right? He has a relationship with Dana that's a certain way, he has a relationship with Vince that's a certain way. But Vince is the devil he knows. And um, Brock is inherently not a trusting person. Um, it's just how he is, he doesn't like people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's not, not, not a trusting person. And I think in that moment where you just hear Vince is out, now what's gonna happen? Like I'm out of here, like, you know what I mean? And I think there was, just a moment of, of that, nothing more, nothing less. It's not like he, you know, looked at it and was like, well, I don't, I don't like anybody else here. I don't trust anybody else here. I don't anything else, right? So it was a moment of, of um, sort of, I'm gonna walk on this and then we have conversations and, you know, comes back and I have a great relationship with Brock. 
I love that Triple H was so honest about this. He was really like, he was really open. He wasn't really tiptoeing around anything or playing too politically correct with anything. Uh, you know, Ariel asked him a question and he pretty much answered everything. Otherwise, you know, towards the end, Ariel had asked Triple H about, uh, you know, if this guy's coming back, if that guy's coming back. You know, he kind of rapid-fired a few. Is this guy going to come back? Yes or no? And Triple H had to kind of kayfabe him on all of those. Um, but it was really uh, refreshing to hear Triple H just kind of be open and honest. And when Ariel asked this question about Brock, Triple H was just like, yeah, that's absolutely something that happened. And you know what? Brock's uh, not a very likable guy. Brock don't like people. Uh, he's very set in his ways. He doesn't trust people. And, uh, you know, he had a good relationship with Vince McMahon. And now, all of a sudden, without anybody asking Brock's permission, Vince went and retired and Triple H was now in charge. And Triple H even acknowledged that him and Brock had their uh, issues back in the day when they were both talents. Uh, he feels like he has a pretty good relationship with Brock now, but he does say that, you know, when he was an active wrestler in the same locker room with Brock that they had their issues in the past. Um, but he said that they just got had to kind of have a talk with Brock and let him know, like, here's how we see you. Here's how we value you. Here's our plans for you. Nothing's really going to change. You don't got to worry about all of a sudden your booking is going to change and we're going to squash you and ruin your career. Uh, or be difficult to work with in any way. You know, Brock's very set in his ways, had a good relationship with Vince. And uh, I wonder if that will lead to Brock maybe not renewing his contract when the time comes. You know, maybe he could be talked into riding this out, but maybe he's not going to stick around for the long haul. Or maybe not. Maybe he will build that, that good relationship with Triple H. Uh, you know, for as much as we've always heard about Triple H being the backstage politician and burying everybody, and uh, <laughs> Mick Foley even had a funny joke on, I think it was his podcast last week or whatever, he was talking about the uh, one of the Buried Alive matches where Hunter Hearst Helmsley was out there assisting and burying The Undertaker, and Foley joked that it was the first documented case in wrestling history of Triple H burying another wrestler, uh, which was hilarious. But, you know, we've all heard that, and he's had that reputation, but now, as an executive, everybody kind of looks up to Papa H as the father figure, you know, all his NXT kids. Uh, all 90% of the roster, as Triple H said in this interview, came from from NXT. So uh, some of these people don't even have, never had a relationship with Vince to begin with or didn't have a good one or didn't know Vince like a Brock does, for example. And uh, Triple H has kind of taken on that new role where everybody's looking up to him and trusts in him and he's taking care of his talent. And uh, I think he'll take good care of Brock too. Nothing's going to change with Brock. If anything, Brock's going to get to be uh, more fun, you know, he's going to get to cut loose a little, you know, take a tractor and run over the ring. Why not? Uh, but I see where Brock was coming from. Brock's in a position where he doesn't have to do anything that he doesn't want to do. You know, he's there for the fun of it. And he's got that understanding with Vince. He's got the relationship with him where they understand each other. 
Vince knows what Brock wants, what Brock needs, what he, Brock likes. He knows how to treat Brock. He knows how to handle Brock when Brock's pissy or crabby or whatever. And in turn, Brock knows what he's getting from Vince. He knows uh, how Vince operates and, and all of that. So Triple H just being the new thing just kind of threw Brock off. But I think, you know, things are just going to continue as normal. I don't foresee any future issues with this or anything like that. But... Um, I thought it was pretty interesting just to hear Triple H just be so open about it and not really try to tiptoe around it or give the politically correct answer or like a, you know, like a Bruce Pritchard answer on something to wrestle or something where he's, you know, just kind of tiptoeing around it or, or not telling the full truth. And, and, you know, I'm sure Triple H didn't just you know tell everything that happened in the conversation or anything but he was pretty open about it and that was cool to see also in his interview with ariel helwani triple h talked about aew and the so-called wednesday night wars ariel asked triple h flat out you know was nxt taken away from you or was nxt changed or were you punished because of losing the Wednesday Night Wars to AEW? And here's what Triple H had to say about that. Check out this clip. Maybe uh, putting to rest some theories out there. NXT went head-to-head -head with AEW. It couldn't beat them. We're going to punish it. Was that a real thing? No. Nonsense. No, no look. We do, and people put so much pressure on this, this all this competitive wars. It never was that. Look, first of all, they beat our developmental system. Good for them, right? Um, no, it was never that. It, it was never, there was never even a pressure of like, oh, you have to beat that. Like, it was never that. It's put on the best product we could. Do you consider them specifically as competition? Okay, again, not, not, and it's funny, I've heard Nick say that, and I've heard people say to him, well, it's a cop-out answer. It's not a cop-out answer. Everything is competition to us. If we pay attention to everything, you have to. Do we pay attention to AEW? Do I watch it on a week-to-week -week basis? No. Am I aware of what's happening there? To a degree, right? Not, I'm not, I'm not following everything they do. Um, there's sometimes I'll, I'll see that somebody would say, well, it's very similar to what they do. I'm like, oh, I did. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. At the end of the day, you have to focus on what you're doing. So I'd said in my last uh, clip here about Brock that Triple H was refreshingly open and honest and willing to talk about stuff. This one, I don't think so much. He kind of downplayed it, you know? He was just like, ah, whatever. You know what I mean? And no, we never thought of it as a war, and we were just developmental. And, and, and that may be the case, technically. Um, but they were, at the time, really were pushing themselves as the third brand, right? They were, uh, they were not calling themselves a developmental territory anymore. And they, were, they had a TV deal. They were on TV. So you're not developmental anymore. And you had Adam Cole. And you had Keith Lee. You had fucking everybody that was on NXT at the time before AEW scooped them all up, you know, and and you know Johnny and 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 it was 
not a developmental product. It wasn't a product where you look at these old, oh, these all of these guys are on the come up and they're all still green and all still learning. It's not NXT 2.0. At the time, Triple H had built a roster that could be sustained all on its own. And you have people like Tommaso Ciampa said, I'm never, ever, ever, I'm never, ever going to leave NXT. He, that was his home. He wasn't there to develop. He wasn't there to grow as a professional wrestler. He's a fucking veteran, for Christ's sakes. He was there because that's where he was happy. It was, it was a perfect schedule. And Triple H was a great guy to work with. And, and to be 100% blunt with it, NXT was just a better product than WWE was at that time. Before the NXT 2.0. NXT was hot as hell. Every single one of those takeovers from, from almost from day one. From like Emma versus Paige. NXT TakeOver has been a must-see, can't-miss event. So... Uh, for Triple H to just downplay it and be like, ah, you beat our division. He, he, he downplays it like AEW beat all the guys that are training in the Performance Center. And though, yes, some of those people appear on NXT TV, this was a show that had Samoa Joe. And this was a show that had William Regal. And this was a show that was not just a bunch of greenhorns learning their first fucking body slam on TV. You know what I mean? This wasn't Chris Jericho and CM Punk beating out fucking, I don't know, name your fucking greenhorn developmental talent, you know? wasn't. There was more to it than that. And I think Triple H is, is highly downplaying what exactly it was. Now, the Wednesday Night War is a little bit of an exaggeration. <clears throat> I don't know how much of a war it was. I guess it was because they went head-to-head. -head. So technically, you know, if you want to get technical about it, what made the Monday Night War was a, a, what made the Wednesday Night War. They were on the same night at the same time, uh, competing with similar talent. And, uh, you know, NXT did beat AEW only like twice but they beat AEW so it was a war there was back and forth this was not guy that just came in from the NFL that didn't make the cut uh you know trying to try his hand at professional wrestling up against you know the biggest stars over in AEW it just wasn't that it was Adam Cole in the undisputed era head to head and Johnny Gargano and all that head to head with AEW. I think Malachi Black was in NXT while they were on TV, you know. Um, I don't think he had either gone up to the main roster or uh, been released yet at that point. So uh, Triple H is being a little bit insincere there and a little bit downplaying it, in my opinion. Um, is it something that AEW should be going around bragging about? Oh, we beat NXT, eh? They don't, but you do hear it from time to time, and fans sure as fuck love to bring it up. And you know, I, it's not that big of a uh, of a uh, it's not that big of a deal. It's not not something that they should be bragging about. They did technically beat WWE's developmental. Whoop de do, big deal, good for you. Like Triple H said, um, 
you know, that was, they were the third brand. You know, I don't know if developmental is the right way to put it at that time, but they were the minor leagues. You know, this would be similar to when ECW was a third brand in WWE. They weren't the developmental brand. They had a lot of the newbies on there. It was a lot of their greener talent just coming up, but it wasn't their developmental brand. You know, NXT was that exact same thing under Triple H. And uh, AEW squashed them, squished them. And, you know, I think that the rumors that Vince McMahon got frustrated with Triple H about that and basically took it away from him, I think that's true. And Triple H isn't going to come out and say that in an interview with Ariel Hawani. He's not going to say, yeah, you know what, look, I sucked at booking NXT and Vince got really mad at me and he took it away from me and sent me home and... I, he's not going to say that to Ariel. So um, I do think that he was kind of um, pussyfooting around it a little bit there at that point. But it was interesting to hear his take nonetheless and just hear what he had to say about AEW. Apparently he doesn't think a whole lot about AEW. Um, we'll get to a little bit more about that later with some uh, more of Tony Khan's comments actually. But uh, yeah. That was Triple H's interview. Man, you have to go out of your way to watch this whole interview. Please, please, please. If you watch one thing that I covered on this show, watch the Triple H interview with Ariel Hawani. It's the best Triple H interview you'll see probably ever. So uh, just kudos to Ariel. He's the man. He is the best in the business right now, in my opinion. Um, you know, He gives Chris Van Vliet a run for his money because Chris is damn good, too. Uh, but Ariel, man, getting them bomb-ass interviews out there. And uh, link is down in the description below. And uh, on to the next. Well, one person that took exception to Triple H's comments about AEW on the interview with Ariel Helwani was Chris Jericho. Jericho was talking with the fellas over at Inside the Ropes. And uh, apparently this interview happened after the Triple H one, and he was asked flat out, hey, have you heard what Triple H had to say about AEW? Jericho said no. And uh, the dude that was hosting, that was doing the interview there, told Jericho what Triple H had to say, and this is what Jericho had to say in response. And I bet you can guess it wasn't very nice. Check out this clip seen some of the headlines making today from triple h's chat with ariel hawaii i haven't no so he basically said at one point in this uh Hawani was asking about if you know nxt was punished for losing the wednesday night war uh you know by triple h being talked taken off it and whatnot and he said uh they beat our developmental like congratulations to them basically in, in a sarcastic way uh many people have been keen to point out that for a long time, he didn't actually want people to refer to NXT as a developmental. Uh, what, what would your reaction be to those kind of comments? Well, I mean, once again, it's just changing the narrative and changing the history, which makes me laugh because when it started, it was not a developmental. It was a third brand and it's not a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon and all the other bullshit that they said. So, of course, we beat the developmental, whatever you want to call it. Who gives a shit? That was such old news, mm. uh, you know, and the show sucks. NXT sucks. It's, it's not a good show and they know it. And whether they were punished or not, they probably were punished, you know, and that's probably why Triple H said those things because he's angry that we beat them. And he probably is angry that we exist, but you know, we don't care about WWE. We care about our show. 
We care about putting on the best stories we can put on. We care about building our, our fan base um, and, and building our ratings, you know, and, and we will continue to exist because I'll tell you this, my boss has a lot more money than his boss does a mm. lot more. So you want to go to the, to that. It's like, we're not going anywhere and, and, and we're just continuing to grow. And I think that pisses them off. And why wouldn't it? They had a monopoly for so long. They don't like the fact we exist and that's fine. Um, we don't care that they exist. God bless them. And, they're running a show in front of 50,000 people. Why would he even care about us? But, you know, he should, and he does. And that's why he says those things. I hate juggalos. I fucking hate them. I say all this with a grain of salt because for a good part of my own life, I proudly identified as a juggalo. You should come to the gathering with me. Nah, man. I'm not into all that whoop whoop shit anymore. I'll pay for your ticket. I got fired today. Get the fuck out. Still got room for me? Spike, slow the fuck down. Cops. Fuck your sleep. Fuck your sleep. Fuck your sleep. The savages started closing in with their tiki torches and war paint. Shit. Run. You guys got a dead body here already? Even the aliens were throwing shade. It was pure panic and intense horror. There was a guy I saw got chopped in half. I had nothing left to go back to. You alive? <sighs> yep. The Gathering. A bold journey into the belly of the Juggalo underworld. You know, Chris Jericho never shy to give his two cents on anything ever and tell it like it is. You know, he's not afraid to ruffle feathers or rub people the wrong way or say the wrong thing. He's just going to say what's on his mind, and I love that. Uh, the other thing that I really appreciate about Chris here in this particular uh, clip about AEW is that Jericho seems to be a big team player. You know, he's not one of those guys that's just going to be, oh, I want to go back to WWE now because you didn't book me right. Nah. He seems to be like team AEW. Like, he's almost like an EVP, even though he's not in title. Um, you know, he always talks about AEW like we, 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 and me and Tony and us, when we, we came up with this, we decided to do that. Our plan was, he's always talking about it like he's part of the fucking inner circle. No pun intended, or maybe pun was intended. <laughs> um, but he, I, you know, he's out and he always likes to tout to you. Know, my boss is richer than your boss. So we'll see. <laughs> uh, maybe he's just running, riding that money train, but I don't know. I mean, Jericho really seems to be dedicated to AEW. He's not on this. And, and you know, this could just be the way he's talking publicly and who knows what's really going on behind the scenes. But he doesn't seem to be just on this to ride the money train, even though he often brings up how rich Tony Khan is. But he uh, he's always very defensive about AEW, always sticking up for him, always willing to go out there and throw a few punches for AEW. And, uh, you know, like I said, he always talks about it like it's his, like it's his, you know. Um, I believe he's even told a story on Talk is Jericho at one point that he was offered an EVP position, uh, but turned it down for whatever. I don't remember his reasoning behind it. But maybe he's still treated like an EVP as far as, you know, he's part of Tony's inner circle. If there is an inner circle of Tony's, 
Uh, maybe he, you know, he's part of some some of those meetings, or maybe he just frequently. I don't know what the fuck his relationship is with the EVPs or Tony. Uh, but Jericho's very dedicated to AEW and not afraid to stand on the front lines and exchange shots with the other t- the other side. And you know, him and Triple H never really got along all that much anyway. And Jericho's kind of kind of said that you know in recent years he's said that him and triple h buried the hatchet or whatever but that you know that they get along now but they were always kind of heated when they were both active as was everybody was triple h because he buried everybody um but this particular clip here doesn't sound too much like jericho really thinks all that fondly of Triple H. I'm sure there's still some animosity there under the surface, if not outright just on the surface. And I believe, you know, even with the way that Triple H was dismissive of AEW in his interview with Ariel Helwani, um, that it seems that, you know, WW, and we'll talk about it a little bit later in another clip from Tony Khan here, that it seems like WWE doesn't really like AEW all that much. They're not very, uh, not very happy with AEW, or not uh, not happy that they exist. Maybe they consider them a nuisance. You know, they're definitely not competition in in the sense of, oh no, they're going to replace us as number one like WCW did. But they are a strong number two. WWE has been de- ever since the death of WCW. WWE has been dealing with distant number twos you know tna came the closest when they went head to head on monday for like a month and then they quickly tucked their tail between their legs and ran away from that after they got smoked and even then they were doing better ratings than AEW is right now but uh it was a different time too though still um but even still even when they were going head to head and they were getting their highest ratings that they've ever had and they did have big stars. TNA was still always seen as a distant number two. They never had the big arenas. They never had a stadium. They never had the mega stars. You know, I guess you could call Sting a mega star. Um, but you know, AEW has had the equivalent of WCW pulling Macho Man and Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper and all of these people. You know, AEW's got Brian Danielson, CM Punk, Malachi Black, Adam Cole, baby. So they're in the game. They're doing the tour uh, nationally. They're, you know, they're in a big cities and they're in, in decent arenas. Maybe not even WWE size arenas, but they're not playing the fucking, the, the Disney MGM fucking backlot studio where they had to scooping fans from outside to fill the crowd that didn't even like wrestling or know what the fuck it was they were just in there for the air conditioning and see what all the hubbub was about um you know AEW fans are rabid and AEW is solidly here to stay and they are a solid number two they are a close number two i don't think they'll ever 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 be number one or even as close as wcw got when they were number two but uh, they are a strong competitor, and AEW or WWE doesn't like that. Triple Triple H seems rather annoyed about it, especially because he's got talent that he would love to have back, uh, tied up to multi-year contracts. Uh, we've heard that Malachi Black wants out. Um, that's recently leaked out. I think just today, as I record this, that hit the streets. 
uh, from Raj Geary, who is pretty accurate with all of his inside information. That's a whole nother side topic. I don't know what the fuck Malachi Black wants to leave for. You know, he could say bad booking, but goddamn, not everybody can be in the world title picture, you know, and he's got his friends in, he's got his faction. I do think he's criminally underutilized, but at the same time, is it that bad that he just needs to get out now again all of a sudden? Um, you know, there's been said that it's mental health issues and that sort of thing too. And he needs to take time off, but we all know how that plays out, right? He's going to take a month or two off for his mental health issues, maybe. And then he's going to go straight to Papa age. So, uh, of course he's not going to get let out of his contract. And that's why for everybody asking online. Um, but these are the kind of things that are going to bug triple H and, and, and are going to be a thorn in his paw, uh, about AEW for the foreseeable future. So yeah, he's not going to be happy with them. And remember his little, uh, we're going to, that little piss ant company too. Like he's, he's got a hair up his ass about AEW. And his, and for as much as, you know, as I even said earlier, Triple H has done a lot to change his image from the guy that buries everybody backstage and plays the political game to being like, you know, everybody's papa, you know what I mean? And like just being there to help and, make everybody the best that they can be. He's still uh, not afraid to throw his little sarcastic jabs out there and that sort of thing. You know, he's a sarcastic, smart-ass prick, just like everybody else in the clique is. They all have that same attitude, that same cocky, smug, dismissive, prickish attitude. And that's exactly what we saw from Triple H. And Chris Jericho, fire back. Shots fired! The wars are happening, whether you guys want to admit it or not. Whether they're true competition or not, I think they are. And I think that there's legitimate tension between the two. And to be quite honest with you, I'm, I'm actually pretty happy that Chris Jericho seems to be a solidly loyal AEW player. And uh, not the kind of guy that's going to want to, Oh, I just don't like my booking. I want to go home now. No. You know what? You know, fuck, fuck those people. If they want to go, go. Let them go. That's what I would do. Um, other than the fact that like letting a Malachi Black go is going to uh, just gonna give a bad image. You know, it's gonna like even just Cody going to WWE is like, oh no, rat! Everybody's leaving the sinking ship, right? Rats jumping from the sinking ship. AEW's going down. Everybody's trying to go back to WWE now. We already heard that, so it's gonna give the wrong look. Um, but you know. Besides, and, and I would tie Malachi Black up just simply for that, just to keep him from going to WWE, really. Um, but in all honesty, like, if you don't want to be here, don't be here. Look, we're a brand new company. We're going to have growing pains. We're not going to be perfect. We're learning on the job. We're learning as we go. You knew that going in. If you thought this was just going to be fucking just perfect and you were going to get booked like a million bucks sorry, you know, life's not always going to be perfectly the way you want it to be. You weren't happy in WWE, now you're not happy here. Will you ever be happy? Get the fuck out of here. Um, but, you know, there, you know, if Malachi were to jump ship, the whole internet would be talking about how AEW is going down. So, you got to keep that aesthetic alive. But I've kind of rambled on this enough. Chris Jericho shoots back at Triple H. I have linked that clip in the description down below as well if you want to check out the full thing. 
Tony Khan was on his obligatory conference call before the pay-per-view with the wrestling media, as he does before every pay-per-view. Taking questions from all the wrestling journalists, he answered a wide variety of very interesting questions. Uh, one controversially uh, about Thunder Rosa. He was asked, you know, um, why you give CM Punk eight minutes of TV time when he had to drop the title, but not Thunder Rosa. She gets like 30 seconds. <laughs> Tony Khan is just flat out like, I, I don't want to put thunder rosa on tv for eight minutes in a promo it's gonna kill our ratings you know he didn't say it exactly like that but pretty damn close to it you know he's like cm punk for eight minutes with a microphone in his hand is pure gold for ratings thunder rosa with eight minutes and a microphone not so much uh so tony was very um Oh, what would be the word for it in this interview? He was kind of prickly, I guess would be the word for it. He seemed a little prickly and defensive at, at times. And none more in this particular question when he was asked, now that we've seen the Forbidden Door and AEW's working with all of these other companies and that Tony Khan had said in the past that he's open to working with WWE in some sort of Forbidden Door fashion if they were ever willing to do that. He'd be open to it until working with them. So he was asked about that, and in this particular clip, Tony Khan kind of backpedaled on that, changed his tune a little bit. Check out this clip. With some of the recent corporate changes over on the other channel other night with WWE, do you possibly think it's more likely, less likely, or the same for a Forbidden Door situation with them down the line? Now that it seems like their executive hierarchy is a lot different than it's been, well, since forever, do you possibly envision maybe working with them with the changes over there, the way you work with Impact, New Japan, AAA, and others now? I was pretty optimistic when they first made the change, but I'm less optimistic now, given how they've treated me. Thank you. Justin, we appreciate so it wasn't just in like what Tony Khan said, uh, it was how he said it and then how he just quickly kind of moved on from it, you know. Tony Khan is famously long-winded. He will tell you a half-hour story from one little question. Tony, how's your day? Oh, it's great. We got this going on and that going on and AEW and Chris Jericho looks so great and he's having the best run of his career and... Brian Danielson is one of the best wrestlers in the world, and we're just doing, you know what I mean? Like, he, he's got to put over half his roster, and, and just, uh, you know, he, he's never short of words. But he was in this clip, um, you know, when he said how they recently treated him. And that's all I got to say about that. Thank you. And just silence, awkward silence for a while. And I was like, okay, uh, next question, I guess. Um, I think this re is re in regards to the contract tampering, the uh, WWE reaching out to multiple talents. And Tony Khan confirmed this, all but confirmed this in the conference call. You know, he basically said, you know, he was asked about the backstage meeting in this interview as well, or in this conference call. And, uh, you know, he said, you know, the dirt sheet's got a lot of it, like, spot on. Like, they were a fly on the wall, and then other stuff was 
completely made up or nonsense and like where did that come from you know um but he you know he did say that one of those things was the uh you know he didn't address it specifically but he's kind of like you guys know what i'm talking about and he's like if i am asked more in detail i'll talk about it uh but just kind of hinting referring to the whole contract tampering thing the whole wwe reaching out to aew talent uh to see you know hey you want to come on back now that papa papa h is here and I don't know what they were thinking when they did that. I don't know if they just think of AEW as such a small pissant company that it didn't even occur to them that this is like illegal contract tampering and they could be sued for this. If they just don't care, uh, if they just want to put that out there that they're interested in some of these guys so that it. You know, because what that's going to do is that's going to stir up talk in the locker room at at the very least. You know, it's going to get people like Malachi Black that now wants to leave. Maybe he was one of those people that was reached out to, too. And in fact, so as as the rumors have it, Chris Jericho surprisingly was one of those people. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know why WWE would reach out to bring Jericho back, of all people. <laughs> I don't, I, and supposedly he's the one who told Tony Khan about this, you know, going back to Chris Jericho being a team AEW all the way, you know, he was the one that reported back to Tony Khan, hey, the contract tampering, bro. Um, but, you know, uh, this could have made its way to Malachi Black just as well, and this could play into, look, Malachi Black being depressed. I'm sure he is. I'm sure. I'm sure he is. Maybe he is going through life issues, you know? Who knows what the fuck's going on in that guy's head or in his life or, you know, it could be any number of things. But we all goddamn know that if he gets his release from w, or from AEW, he's going to WWE because he left because of Triple H or because of Vince McMahon. Now that Triple H is in charge, that was his boy. That was his daddy. You know, he was the guy that put him on. So uh, we're going to see a lot of that. And this is going to be an interesting couple of years here, especially as some of these contracts come up. We're going to see more people jump ship over to WWE. It's inevitable. And Triple H doing this is going to, A, let these talent know that they have an opportunity to go to WWE, that they're wanted there. And B, it's going to get them either, if not just thinking about it and toying around with the idea, once that seed, it's all it is is planting that seed. You know, if it wasn't, you know, like I said, it, it's to let them know that, hey, we got a spot for you here if you want to come back. And B, just that little seed planted. Just the, hey, think about it a little bit, you know. Maybe next time you have a disagreement with Tony Khan, maybe you think about WWE in that argument instead of just being mad about it, you know. And now you're going to start to toy around with the idea that you have options and maybe you know the boys talk you know telephone tell a friend tell a telegram tell a wrestler whatever the fuck it is right that whole thing wrestlers chat in the locker room and they're gonna be like hey bro what do you think about triple h in charge now yeah triple h reached out to me so you know what i mean like that kind of shit's gonna happen it's going to happen we're gonna see more people jump ship but you know i've i've said it before i'll say it again here that there's gonna be more people that leave wwe to go to aew too 
You know, Triple H is not the be-all, end-all. I'm sure he, he's much better than Vince. God, he's great, you know, compared to Vince. But there's a bit of that smug prick left in him that likes to bury people. And if you rub him the wrong way or you get in those disagreements with him, he's not going to be easy on you about it. He's not going to be cool to work with. He's going to be a prick. He's going to hold it against you. He's going to retaliate in some way. He's going to find a way to bury you, let you know, make you lose a match or two or something, or job you out, leave you off the card, whatever the case may be. You know, these issues are going to pop up too. Triple H is not all flowers, fucking smelly roses. You know what I mean? Um, but he's the new key, he's the new shiny toy right now. And, uh, you know, wrestlers are fickle. They're a fickle folk. And, uh, you know, if there's a way to make a little bit more money or feel like you have a better opportunity for your career, which, hey, more power to him. I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying, like, wrestlers are going to wrestler, you know what I mean? So uh, all of this is super interesting, but Tony Khan was really salty about that. Like the way that they treated me recently, I think that has to do with that contract tampering, but I'd like to know if there's more to it than that. What else did they do? Um, it's a little disappointing that there's not a friendly relationship there. Um, especially cause Tony was, Tony let a lot of these, he let Jericho go do the stone cold thing and uh you know the broken skull sessions which was just smart it was a good idea it got aew talked about pretty significantly on the wwe network so that was a, a smart choice by tony khan but to let like brian danielson and jericho and and some of these other people go and do the uh that uh and they did like some sort of video or something where they, they all kind of Gave their two cents on, I don't even remember what it was for anymore or who it was for. I don't know if it was for a biopic or biography of some kind or some fucking gimmick on the network. Whatever it was, there was a handful of AEW talent that went and did uh, some, you know, punditry, some talking headisms on, on some sort of WWE video project. So Tony Khan has been fairly open uh, with letting people, you know, he's had, he's been friendly with WWE and it's, it's a little frustrating that they're not back, that they're not friendly back, especially with Triple H in charge. I would have thought that Triple H would maybe be kind of see it as an opportunity to have a friendly working relationship with AEW, not necessarily to the point of a forbidden door. Uh, but to the point of, hey, can we borrow this guy for the Hall of Fame or for a documentary? And we'll throw you some cash, or you know, and in return, maybe we'll do this for you. Remember, Christian famously went to TNA for for a one-off in exchange for Ric Flair for the Hall of Fame. Maybe shit like that, you know, we could just get these random one-offs or just you know some sort of you know just a friendly relationship. I think would have been healthy. Um, but now it sounds like there's some bad blood there. I think Triple H and I think Jericho nailed it on the head. If you listen to my earlier clip, I don't know if you're listening to the full show or if you're just kind of watching clips, but I did a clip on Jericho responding to Triple H's comments about the Wednesday Night Wars. And it goes back to Triple H 
most likely getting a good spanking by Vince McMahon for losing the Wednesday Night War. Not only losing the Wednesday Night War, but losing all of his favorite talent to AEW. Losing Malachi Black, losing Keith Lee, losing Adam Cole Bay Bay, and the whole rest of the fucking Undisputed Era. Everybody, everybody, or done everybody, swerve. All of these great talents from NXT just jumped right over to AEW. And I think, you know, losing in the ratings, Vince McMahon spanked Triple H, took his birthday away, all of that stuff. Triple H probably is salty about AEW. And he, the the egotistical guy that likes to bury people backstage comes out in him when he talks about AEW like that little pissant company or, oh, they beat a developmental talent, good for them. You know what I mean? Like, those kind of comments from Triple H, there's no respect there for AEW. And you gotta respect AEW, right? Right? One person who doesn't respect AEW, or at least doesn't respect Tony Khan, is Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff never shy to take his shots at AEW or Tony Khan. He's kind of made it his gimmick at this point, really. You know, Eric Bischoff, 83 weeks. It's the Before they get into whatever story they're going to talk about, it's their weekly Let's Bash AEW segment of the show. And uh, Eric Bischoff just fucking loves it. Like, he never misses a chance to just shit all over AEW. And it was really, like, discouraging. Like, why, bro? Because he was on AEW. He was invited there. He was essentially, you know, like, welcomed as a fucking, you know, welcomed with open arms into AEW. And then he just goes on his podcast and takes a giant shit all over them every chance he gets. Why? Why does he do that? Well, he has said it before, but he has gone into more detail about it here. Check out this clip. But the reason I think I sometimes can't help myself is because Tony Khan came out in the beginning and talked about how excited he was about AEW and how he was never going to make the same mistakes WCW did. And, you know, he, he had a hard time not, you know, referencing WCW and all the mistakes that we made. And I, for a long time, I just, you know, it didn't really bother me. I didn't didn't hurt my feelings. I didn't get defensive. Um, but I started losing a little bit of respect. Not a lot, just a little bit. But when Tony Khan came out and made the comment about if Ted Turner knew half as much about booking as Tony Khan did, then WCW might still be around. That got me fucking hot because it was so disrespectful and ignorant but at that moment, when I saw that, I just lost all respect for Tony. I just did. Eric really has a fucking hard on over this whole Ted Turner comment that uh, Tony Khan made months ago at this point. Bischoff, I think, I think honestly, he must have like, I think he really respects Ted Turner. And obviously he does. He worked for the guy. But I think to the point of he, I think he looks up to Ted as like a father figure or at least a really solid role model to a certain extent because he took it personally to heart. It wasn't just a, oh, that was kind of a douche. Like if somebody says something about somebody else, you don't take it personally to heart unless you have a personal, you know, feelings for that person that was attacked, right? 
And, you know, of course, uh, Bischoff had also said that he was salty about Tony, just saying we're not going to make the same mistakes that WCW did. And that was kind of a stupid thing to say in hindsight, because they are making a lot of the same mistakes that WCW made. Uh, and I'm starting to wonder if that's not just inevitable in WWE is just the anomaly in professional wrestling because they're the only ones who have stood the test of time ever in the history of ever. I do think AEW will have a longer run than WCW did. I do think that they are here to stay for the foreseeable future. They're not a flash in the pan, um, but I don't know that they're going to have the longevity that WWE had. And a lot of that has to do with Tony Khan and just, you know, I think at some point he's going to burn out and just lose his shit and, and the company is going to start to fail. And I think that's happening now. We're seeing signs of that now, to be honest, which is why I went so hard on AEW earlier in the show and why I think that he needs to start to get people around him to, uh, you know, a booking team and that sort of thing. I like that he's got people in talent relations now to help him out with the talent aspect of things. Now he needs to get his shit together on the booking aspect of things, the creative. Um, but Eric Bischoff, man, he's got a hair up his ass for Tony Khan. And that's why. I mean, he's said it multiple times now, but he went into more detail about it. And he's lost respect for Tony Khan. To the point where, you know, uh, Tony Khan was offended by this. He reached out to Conrad. It's like, bro, why are you guys, guys going to talk shit about me on your show, man? Um, and, and, you know, Conrad orchestrated a, a phone call between Eric and Tony to kind of work things out. Bury the hatchet, if you will. And I don't think things have been resolved yet. I think... Eric still wants that apology, a real true heartfelt apology. I'm sorry, Eric. I'm sorry I offended you and Ted Turner. I'll never do it again. But man, once you get on Eric's bad side, he really goes hard. Because like I said, it's like a weekly segment, you know. I covered it when he first started taking shots because it's like, whoa, shots fired. But now it's just kind of like his weekly gimmick, you know what I mean? And... But this one was particularly interesting to me because he really laid out the exact reason why. And and I, I feel like there's hurt feelings there. This is coming from a place of hurt feelings. This isn't a place of ego or, or pride or just a gimmick trying to get himself over or shtick or anything like that. This is coming from a place of hurt feelings. Bischoff was offended to the point of taking it personally by Tony Khan saying what he said about Ted Turner, saying that Ted Turner doesn't know shit about booking or whatever the fuck he said, and that they're not going to make the same mistakes that WCW did. Bischoff has hurt feelings about this. And I do think Tony Khan, just for the sake of burying the hatchet and maybe shutting Bischoff the fuck up on his show, uh, it wouldn't hurt to try to smooth that over because, you know, maybe... It was taken the wrong way, or maybe it was said the wrong way, and maybe Tony didn't mean to be so abrasive or brash about it. You know, Tony's young and cocky and full of piss and vinegar himself. And he, uh, you know, I've talked about this before on the show. Tony Khan's kind of got a big ego. He's an egomaniac. The, the, all of these problems that are happening in AEW are because Tony Khan has too big of an ego to see the bigger picture and, and kind of step aside and let other people handle the show. I'm not saying that Tony has to give up his power. He doesn't need to step away from being the main decider. 
Put a booking team around you. You don't have to be the single only person to sit and come up with all your ideas. And now you're going to do it for Rampage, which sucks ass now. And now you're going to do it for Dynamite. And now you're doing it for Ring of Honor whenever that comes back. And you got your football shit and your soccer shit or your football and your football, depending on what country you're listening from. Uh, you know, we don't want to offend you with the soccer word. That would be horrible. Horrible. Except for, you know, American football is the real football. Come at me, bro. Come at me. No, but um, I don't watch sports. I don't give a shit. But uh, Eric Bischoff, uh, he, he's, this is never going to stop unless him and Tony can squash it. You know, this is going to be a weekly goddamn segment on Eric Bischoff's show. And again, I had a hard time pulling a clip from this because Eric talks so goddamn much. Ah, he's so hard to listen to. It's brutal. It's effing brutal. But yeah, he's definitely, he's got hurt feelings. There's no two ways about it. This isn't uh bischoff's ego it's not pride it's not being a smart ass or a prick just to be a prick he's 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 hurt he's clearly hurt offended to the point where he he took it very personally so hopefully they can squash it because i don't know like why leave all that shit just floating out there why make enemies out of people that you can when you can smooth it over, I feel like there's a misunderstanding there that could easily be talked out and worked on and fixed. Especially because Tony Khan's friends with Conrad and they have a good relationship. So we'll see how that plays out. But I would expect to see Tony Khan continue to have his pride and his ego and just think that, you know, everything that he does the shit and that he's right. And I would expect Eric Bischoff to continue to have his weekly... Let's shit on AEW segment. That's it. We made it. We made it all the way through a show. I hope that there are still people watching this as we do have a huge, huge week in professional wrestling. And there's just so much content to consume that I know a lot of this is just going to get buried. Uh, But this was a hell of a show. This was a fun one to talk about. Jam-packed. Stuffed. With all kinds of juicy little tidbits. It was an exciting, interesting week in the world of podcasts and shoot interviews. And uh, towards the end of the week, as a matter of fact, I always do this thing where, you know, if the first part of the week is slow, it always works out. Every week it works out. You know, there's there's never been a week in the 51 episodes I've done. There has never, ever been a week where it's like, God, you know, how am I going to make this show happen? But there are weeks where I get to Thursday, sometimes even Friday, and I'm like, ah, I don't even got enough clips for a full hour on this show. This was a slow-ass news week. But inevitably, something happens, something pops up somewhere that uh, is worth talking about in the world of pro wrestling. And that's why I love it. I fucking love it. I love sitting here and being able to yak at you guys and, you know, just rant. You know, just the old man yelling at the clouds. I appreciate having the uh, platform to do that. And I appreciate anybody that stuck around to listen to me rant. And especially all the way to the end here, you guys are my favorite because you are dedicated to listen to the full show. Thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate your continued support. I'm going to keep doing my thing week after week after goddamn week. And I'm going to keep growing this bitch till I am on the map. Because right now I'm just a nobody still. I'm just a nobody. 
but I'm going to get there because I am determined to fucking get there. So I will be in the mix of some of the top, most well-known podcasts in the professional wrestling business because I'm just not going to stop until I get there. That's why. Um, One of the other things I'm doing to help grow my channel, and it has seen some growth. I want to thank you if you're a new subscriber that came over from wrestling. I had a video that popped off. My Mick Foley shoots on Chris Benoit video popped off this week. And that's another thing, too. When I clip this show out, you never know what's going to hit or what's not going to hit. You know, like just randomly, my highest rated video ever on YouTube is... Uh, got to like 31 some thousand 31 that's viral okay it's not you don't need to hit a million people to be viral you you reach 30,000 people that's a viral video that's a fucking hit that's a smash hit right so I I did that was a when I did a video back in the day on uh, Mark Madden and, and Ric Flair when they when Rick, that they had that public dispute where Ric Flair left the podcast with Madden just randomly like I didn't expect that to take off and it was just like boom fuck even keeping it 100 commented on it because I used a clip from their show and they were all salty about us like fair use act brother I'm a podcast journalist I can use it I can use it and I'm gonna use it but yeah that one popped off and then uh just this week my clip of Mick Foley Shooting on Chris Benoit, talking about the whole Chris Benoit thing. just And I I suspect that there's a huge audience out there for Chris Benoit content. It seems like it from the comments and just, you know, there's there's certainly a crowd of people out there that are pro-Chris Benoit for whatever reason. Hey, I mean, the guy was, I'm indifferent about it, to be honest with you. Like, he killed his family. I mean, it sucks. It's not cool. But, I mean, it wasn't my family. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a terrible thing. I'm indifferent about it. You're not going to offend me uh, by being a Chris Benoit mark. It's fine. It's fine by me. And and I certainly appreciate his matches and everything. But, uh, yeah, that one popped off. But I've been doing the reaction videos, too. And I even had a reaction video. Uh, my Mick Foley Benoit video got up uh, over 2,000. It was like 2,200 some views which is great for my channel that does anywhere from four views on a video sometimes to a couple hundred on a good video. Um, but very rarely do I ever hit a thousand. That's that's I have in my shorts more often than my, um, my clips, you know, my more long form content, but, uh, my reaction, I did a react, uh, started doing reaction videos and stuff too. And I already had one of those, uh, top 3000. Well, it happened in the same week as the Mick Foley one. So this was a very good week for me on YouTube. And uh, I'm inching close to the 400 subscribers. And look, I'm small potatoes, man. Some of you are listening to like 400 subscribers, man. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm scratching and clawing, dude. You know, I'm starting from the bottom, but I'm going to going to make it to the top, you know, and I appreciate you guys sticking with me. And check out some of those reaction videos if you're so inclined. Um, they're all across the board, so there's inevitably going to be something in that playlist that you'll be intrigued by. Um, I react to trailers, movie trailers. I react to video game trailers. I've reacted to wrestling stuff. Like I did a full reaction in the wrestling related ones. I also put in this playlist for the pro wrestling podcast podcast. 
So uh, you'll see those there. But I did one on the CM Punk John Moxley match. I got them all across the board. I got all kinds of fun little uh, tidbits out there for you on the reaction channel. So hopefully there's something for you. If you if you like that, check out my reactions playlist. Um, I also got a book out, The Gathering, A Bold Journey into the Belly of the Juggalo Underworld. Um, I have the whole first chapter available here on my YouTube channel in audiobook form. The version that's on Audible. I put the whole first chapter up here on YouTube. So if you hear me mention it every week um, and you're just curious, you can listen to the whole first chapter for free and then you can decide if you want to hear the other remaining 20 chapters. Um, that's going to be on Amazon, Audible, and Kindle. So wherever you like to get your books, if you're a book guy, it's fun. It's quick. It's not meandering by any, any stretch. And, and, uh, you don't have to be, it's about going to the gathering of the juggalos. You don't got to be into that kind of music or anything to enjoy the book. Cause it's, uh, you know, really just about a dude that goes to a music festival and does a bunch of drugs and has a bunch of fun and there's wrestling stuff in there lots of wrestling stuff in there wrestling references wrestling matches and, and shows and some backyard wrestling all that shit's in there it's great you know if you're a wrestling fan you will find good content in there and finally i'll make this one quick i have nfts available uh cryptomania nfts.com and there you'll see the championship collection where we mash up all the top championship belts in pro wrestling with all of the top cryptocurrencies such as the wwe championship for ethereum or the bitcoin championship with the dollar sign b of bitcoin uh replacing the dollar signs on the million dollar title which is dope um, so all of those links are in the description below. All you gotta, if you just want to look or listen or just, just sample something, it's all there for you. Check it out. That's all I got. Please like, follow, subscribe, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Hit the subscribe button down below. If you are not subscribed yet to my YouTube, help me reach 1000 so that I can get monetization so that I can start selling merch on the page. And when I do start selling merch, it's going to be from Pro, pro wrestling tees uh all that shit's going to be uh it's going to open so many more doors for me and uh you know it's going to open up the opportunities for you know doing ad spots sponsorships all that good shit so that's the goal get the youtube page to a thousand and then it's from there to ten thousand and then from there to a hundred thousand and just fucking keep going because this train ain't ever gonna stop and if you're still listening to my voice right now I appreciate you the most, and I hope you're there with me for the whole ride. Peace, love, and pizza. I'm your boy, Seth Grimes. Enjoy this weekend full of pro wrestling, and uh, leave a comment down below, and we'll catch you next time on the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast.
juggalos. I fucking hate them. I say all this with a grain of salt because for a good part of my own life, I proudly identified as a juggalo. You should come to the gathering with me. Nah, man. I'm, I'm not into all that whoop whoop shit anymore. I'll pay for your ticket. I got fired today. Get the fuck out! Still got room for me? Spike, slow the fuck down! Cops! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! Fuck your sleep! The savages started closing in with their tiki torches and war paint. Shit! Run! You guys got a dead body here already? Even the aliens were throwing shade. It was pure panic and intense horror. There was a guy I saw got chopped in half. I had nothing left to go back to. You alive? <sighs> yep. The Gathering. A bold journey into the belly of the Juggalo underworld.